0: Well, yes, it's true. I did lose a million dollars last year. I lost a million dollars this year. Uh, I expect to lose a million dollars next year. And you know, Mr. Thatcher, at the rate of a million dollars a year, I'll have to watch the greatest movie of all time in 60 years. Today on the show, Citizen Kane.
1: It's greatest movie the greatest movie podcast, It's the greatest movie podcast, It's the greatest movie podcast, It's the greatest movie. Come on and in this the greatest movie podcast, the movie
0: the greatest movie the greatest movie Welcome, everyone, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, Hellfire and Brimstone, your co-host, Rick Barrasso.
1: And I, your least favorite co-host, Citizen Rec. We're going to watch every single movie ever
0: made and help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And we are joined once again by our... Uh, I, I, you know he's a guest but i don't know how special it is on the show anymore because he's on so much uh chris citizen
1: chris bonapani
2: how are you doing today? doing excellent gentlemen thank you for having me back
1: excellent. i mean chris you don't have to even ask to be back you just you just tell us hey i'm gonna do this one and we say
2: okay i'm, well, I'm, I'm back for the big one
1: yep
0: and this when, is for when it, the, the, for when it comes to people, this movie, this is the big brain. one. This is yep. the greatest movie of all time, yep. uh, according to the American Film Institute.
1: We'll uh, see about that. We shall we'll see about, about that. So, today, oh, of course, Derek. we
0: are going sledding with Citizen Kane, but let's take care of some business first. Last week, I'm pretty sure Alien came out. We had an episode on Alien, and it was another great one. I don't know; it could be anything. We don't know the order coming out.
1: I, I, th- I think that you're, you're pretty accurate. We'll, we'll okay. do them in order how we film them.
0: Okay. Uh, so check that one out, or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie. Of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Greatest Movie Pod at, on Instagram. You can always shoot us an email uh, at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend who was adopted by a bank <laughs> with us, uh, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But now, news on the march. Uh, Citizen Kane is a 1941 drama directed by the great Orson Welles. It stars Welles as Charles Foster Kane, Joseph Cotton as Jedediah Leland, Dorothy Comminger as Susan Alexander Kane, and, of course, the rest of the Mercury Theater players that we know so well. Uh, box office, tough to say because box office is so different then, but uh, from what I can find, it made about $1.8 8 million in 88,039. Eight hundred thirty-nine thousand, I should say, dollar budget it has an eight point three on IMDb, a ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and get this, one hundred percent on Metacritic. <sighs> Ebert, four out of four. <laughs> its surface is as much fun as any movie ever made. Its depths surpass understanding. Uh, Owen Gleiberman from EW says. Fifty years after its release, Citizen Kane still seems richer, bolder, more spectacularly alive than any other film of the studio system era. Regardless of how many times you've seen Orson Welles' 1941 masterpiece, it always feels like the first time. For an, a negative one, Martini, I believe. Tiny? Tinny? It's Martini. Uh, Martini, yep. It is Martini. All right. Uh, well, Martini uh, wrote for the uh, Chicago Tribune. He says... It's interesting. It's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece, but its sacrifice of simplicity to eccentricity robs it of distinction and general entertainment.
2: I don't think I understand that review. So he's saying it's it's too highbrow or it's too lowbrow.
0: That seems to be, it's too highbrow. Like it's too weird. It's at least too brow. There's so much much brow brow here. He's (laughs) saying it's an overabundance of brow. Uh, so, Derek, is it, the, is it the first time you've seen Citizen Game?
1: Yes, it has. Um, okay. This oh. is. The first time I've seen it. And uh this was a couple of days ago. I watched it for the first time and um I didn't get what a chance. I didn't get a chance to watch it on a, like a regular TV. I ended up watching it on my phone while I was in bed. Okay. And it actually found okay. I, I found it very, very enjoyable because it's not a movie that needs to be on a big screen. It's not, there's nothing about it that needs to be on a big screen in my opinion. Oh, you are I could, so wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, I just but... I just I disagree with you. I think that I got the essence of of what it needed to be on my phone very, very clearly. I have a different brain than most people. I'm not saying that I'm smarter. I'm just saying that I'm better than most people. Okay. And in this, in this, I find that I, I watch movies on my phone and I get the same, the same I, I know how big and grandor scenes are supposed to be. I don't need the TV to tell me that.
0: Ooh, okay. It's gonna I, I be one of I, these episodes. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I, right. I don't think that, um, yeah. I, I respect that you got to see it for the first time. Lucky you, it's a great experience. I don't think the proper format is in bed on the well, phone.
1: Well, it, it's going to be a movie that I have to watch again because sure. again, it, it's. I don't there's think a lot. It, I don't think there's a, this is a movie you watch once and go. I have my yeah. opinion. I yes. think it needs to be a couple yeah. of times before I you really. One
2: hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so. I don't. I don't think anything deserves to be watched on a phone. Like even like Teletubbies should at least be on the TV. No,
1: Teletubbies should be not watched on anything.
2: Well. Let's,
0: we'll
1: get into it. We'll get into why. We'll get into Teletubbies. We'll get into why Derek's statement just
0: rose
2: well from his grave just to kill him again. Hey,
1: you don't even know uh, what my opinion is of the movie, so stop, that's, stop, stop that's, being negative. I was, that's...
2: I was so excited for this episode, but right now I feel like, Derek, you're sucking the wind out of my sails.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, you got to do what you, you, do what you can do, you know. Schedule, all right, we'll get, we'll get, get, we'll get to, we'll get to it. Top. Let's
0: talk about what happens in the movie. Um, Derek, do you have a song? You just count me down.
1: Let's do a countdown for this one. Okay. Uh, three, two. One, go.
0: Charles Foster Kane dies in a mansion with one word in his lips, Rosebud. But why? And who was Kane? We follow a newsman as he interviews major players in Kane's life as they recount their relationship with him. He rises from a poor boy in a snowy cabin to the most powerful man in American media to a philandering politician to a sad old man lost in his opulence. Ultimately, we find there's no way to know a man's soul completely as the mystery of Rosebud is revealed to the viewer, but not to the world, a sled that Kane played with as a child.
1: 30 on the dot yep. you're the master Perfect,
0: lovely all right so let's talk about what we liked about the movie let's um let's get into it um let's start with let's start with derek okay what's your third favorite scene
1: Again, this is my first time watching it. This might change completely based on my second time watching it. Um, so looking at my scenes now, I'm wondering if there was other scenes that I might be enjoyed. It might be enjoy more in the future, but just based on my first watch, uh, my third favorite scene was the old Leland scene when he's being interviewed as kind mm-hmm. of an older man in a chair. And I thought the actor who played old Leland, uh, I believe that was Joseph Cotton um, mm-hmm. was great. I thought he had a lot of finesse. I thought he had a lot of uh, just, uh, just great, candor on screen and I really enjoyed the scene and especially when he kept asking him for a cigar and just kind of kind of toying with the interviewer a little bit and it's it's a it's an interesting scene because as you're watching it you realize oh like oh he's your best friend or was your best friend but it just seemed like he was so like not best friends with him at all it seemed like he may have known him the best, but he's also Kane's the type of guy where it seems like he really can't get close to anybody, obviously, yeah. so it seemed like a very uh you know a, a relationship built on turmoil, which we we'll obviously find out later in the film. But looking back, I really liked the, the, uh, that actor's performance in the scene, so it kind of rose to my top three based on his performance
2: I, I oh, like yeah. your take on um, the relationship between the younger Kane and, and um, Leland because guys like the the character of Kane is. He can dominate you by pacifying you. Yep. And uh, Leland was could have been an early competitor with Kane, but he pacified him with friendship. And then when it when it came to the point where Leland had matured to the point where he was on the high road and Kane was you know, a disaster on the low road, that's when he finally cuts him off and waves over the power over him and waves money over him and writes him off and destroys the, the relationship.
0: The, completely. Yeah, the, the the ultimate, like he finished his review. Yep. And it's like it's, I mean, the, the character of of Cain in that moment, like the relationship between those two characters, where it's like, right before it's like, oh, they haven't spoken in years, and then it's like, they 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 know each like Kane knows him so well that he can finishes uh, finishes review, but also is like, we can't have this. It, it right. like that that relationship is is it's completely broken. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I did get like. You know, I, I don't know if if, if they're gay, um, but I, I think maybe Leland had a thing yeah. for him. Um, yeah,
2: because, I mean, in the in the construct of the relationship where one man, the, the power was out, you know, the, the power dynamic was lopsided. Um, the it, uh, abusiveness was lopsided. Leland wasn't abusive towards Kane, whereas Kane was towards him, you know. But again, we're so seeing they, most of their relationship from Leland's point of view. Right but yes. And that's, you know, the, you're making the argument, like, did he have a thing for him? Like, well, yeah. when people have a thing for someone, that's how they're able to tolerate abuse yeah. from yeah, and, a potential and, partner.
1: And, and, you know, I didn't pick up on that at all. I mean, and, and also he could have had a thing for him, not in a sexual way also. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's the thing.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, that's, this That's the other business thing, yeah like men of business, men of power. They,
1: yeah, there are, you know what I mean? like When you you befriend somebody, you have a thing for that person, and so to speak, yeah. you pick them as your friend because you know that you, you, you like them in that. There, there were other know?
0: things in this where it's just like he Leland does not have a single good thing to say about any of the women in Kane's life. Right. Uh, again, like you said before, like this is something you pick up on multiple rewatches. Yep. 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 You
1: know?
2: Um, and and also at the time where you were a a bachelor in 1941, um, there was stigma attached to that, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, yeah. And Chris, what's your, what's your number three scene? Let's,
2: Let's go on. Uh, my f- number three scene is news on the march oh. in the subsequent smoky room. I love the scene. It's one of the most clever f- scenes in all of films. It shows you the entire trajectory of like the story of Kane's life of yeah. where the movie's going. It it gives you a familiar, it familiarizes the audience with Kane so that as we start to ge- deconstruct him through the personal experiences we feel like we know him like this is a real man from our world Mm. because there's a lot of real world business and tycoon types that are drawn into this character and we've seen like you know at the time you would have got your news from those types of newsreels so the way that they make this like a almost a mockumentary style it's like all right this is the character here he is this is the trajectory we feel familiar when we see places like xanadu up close not just on the newsreel or from you know the smoky shots, the uh, the the sketchy looking shots with the birds out front. Now we feel like, oh, now we're in Kane's kitchen. We're in his living room, and uh, I love the smoky scene where all the journalists are just sitting around talking, riffing, um, yeah. more
0: talking, probably- talking about him as like as if he's a thing, you know, as if yeah, he, yeah, like yeah, you know, and not and that's kind of what the movie ends up being about. It, it's just like it, no, there's it, a real the- person under this
2: a lot of it's about capitalism too and here we yeah. are we just saw this guy's whole life from basically birth to death yeah. and it's like all right boys how can we make money we need a story we need a book we need you out there we got to sell papers that's what yeah. it's like capitalism will continue to always vulture there will always be vultures
0: yeah
2: and that's kind of them picking the bones you know cosmic yeah.
0: um my number 3 scene is the uh the breakfast montage the yeah. uh, and this is this is so yeah this is this is something that goes to um, you know, why it's considered such a great movie is that this movie, the passage of time in this movie, where it's yeah. one conversation over years. Yep. And you go and like, no movie had really been doing stuff like that, at least not in America.
2: Yeah. Um, the level of, well, the level of cinema that's in this movie yes. was sort of abandoned because of the sound era. It's, Everything this, became about dialogue. This, yes. this is So this, is this bringing movie, you back. imagine... Like, it's
0: tough to describe, like, how important this movie is. Imagine if, like, a painter came out and was like, I have invented a new color.
1: Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, me- I mentioned something earlier and Chris kind of snarled at it when I questioned if this was the greatest movie of all time. And I questioned it because I come from a place and most people my age come from a place where they are completely most of the time unfamiliar with the movies of this generation and this time. So I have to go based on fact from people who say this was the first of its kind. I have to just go by their word. And of course I would because why would they lie about it? So they, by you saying that, Rick, by you saying like, oh, you know, at the time this was compl- a completely different way of filmmaking, I say, oh, wow, that's really cool and really special. I didn't grow up in this generation, so I can't say how I felt the way I should have felt when this movie came out. Therefore, I have a different relationship with it. Sure. Well, de- you know what definitely
2: I mean? one, of, one of the things that this movie does that you didn't really see was the nonlinear structure. Yes. And, you, and you love Tarantino, Rick. Right. Tarantino. Yeah. He's, he's become you know, synonymous with nonlinear storytelling.
1: Right, right. So I, I imagine if I had seen this movie when it first came out and saw the, the way that he did things unlike any other director, I would have been like, this is the fucking movie. You know what I mean? But looking yeah. back on it through people's opinions, I go, well, I've been told so often that Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all time. When you go to watch it, your expectations are beyond sure. anything. And it's not fair.
0: Right, because That's of expectations, yeah, You know, it's but anyways, like,
1: I just yeah. wanted to put that in there, just so you guys know where my yeah. brains at. Yeah,
0: no, I hear you. But I mean, the breakfast also, montage, just just how did you, just, just how how did you effective... see my snarl?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. How did you see my snarl? You said I snarled, and I'm like, oh, how did you see that? Oh, I, I heard your snarl. I heard it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like a <laughs> yeah, the the but yeah, the breakfast montage. Getting to that, just like the way that they portray this relationship.
2: Yeah, the table goes. Heart, the literally the table goes further. Yeah, the, and the by the end of the changes, they, she becomes completely not a sexual entity. Yeah. over the years.
0: Yep, yeah. and she like, and they're by the end of the scene, they're on opposite sides of the table. When they start, they're right, right next to each other, and it's it's a, a sad end to a relationship, and it's it's portrayed so beautifully, uh, I think. Um, but uh, let's go to number two, Derek. What's your what's
1: your number two scene? My number two um, was. The the kind of the opening of his childhood in that snowy Colorado home, and I think it became a a, a bigger scene for me. Uh, and, and I, I didn't want to kind of do a. I guess I'll talk about this later if my one. But um, at the very end of the film, I realized how important that scene was now. And of course, yep. we know why it was so important because of the ending of the movie. But I, I I I was so intrigued as to what was happening during that scene. Okay, they came into money, they had some gold, and then the parents were. were were giving their child to somebody else to live and I was like what is the purpose of this what is it what what happened with the parents so you know going in kind of dumb I was very intrigued and then later in the movie I went wow that scene is really important now
0: did you know what Rosebud was I know it's very like it's it's almost like what who's Luke Skywalker's father at this point like so many people know it but did you know what Rosebud was when you were watching it
1: while i was watching and i didn't know what it was and that's why cuz i think that most dumb people going into it being like oh it it has to be maybe a person or a feeling or this and then yeah. at the end obviously it comes very apparent that like the whole movie is based on you know trying to get back what you lost yeah, yeah. and and it was it was a pretty i mean again i don't want to skip ahead but of, of course that this and is- he and the clue, the kind of the
0: clues are not maybe not exactly are there but you see, in, in his first date with um, with his second wife, or his first night with his first his second wife, where he's like, "Yeah, I was going to get my like things from my mother, like my mother's possessions." Right. Like, it's been so long, and he's very wistful about it. And the the important thing with Cain is there; his heart is there for someone to find, and nobody finds it.
2: Yep. And, and that's and, and it just by, kills him. And, and by the time, um there is no shot of redemption for him yeah unfortunately the the trajectory of his life is going to end up like many of us by the time they know they like things need to change it's too late yeah because at that point he had already been embroiled he had built his castle he had isolated himself from the world he had ruined his reputation like by the time that there was no there's no coming back from a certain point you know right. I, I think donald trump is at that point where you know, if uh, he was a president of the United States, you know, and if something happened to him, I don't think a lot of people would mourn, like, you know.
0: Right, right. It's, 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 an inter- I mean, the, the, I think the, the ultimate thing, the ultimate statement of this movie is what Kane says about himself. And it's, it's in my number two scene so i I believe so it's in news on the march uh, where they tell you the whole movie they tell you what everybody thinks of him. they tell you the events that are going to happen and we get such a bird's eye view of what this man's life was and we spend the rest of the movie really getting to know him but there's, there's the part where it's like some i forget exactly the line but it's like some call him a monster some call him a saint and kane just says he's an american you know, and it's like, you have to see, you see pictures of him with Hitler and you see yeah. pictures of him with like captains of industry and like everything good and bad about this country is like embroiled in this, this person. And this is like World War II era. This is 1942. Right. Right. So this is an era where the country was not necessarily introspective. Uh, but, you know, I think you know, with news in the march it's like the like you said the balls of a movie to be like this is what's going to happen in this movie sit back and enjoy like in the first scene it's it's the fucking balls on this movie at this
2: point it's incredible uh derek what's your uh well chris what's your number two scene my number two is filmmaking 101 it's the Kane celebration with the newspaper Mm-hmm. And there's so much going on in this scene, so I'm just going to take a couple minutes to flesh some of it out because this is like one of the greatest scenes of all time. Um, so you get to see the side of Kane; he's exhibiting charisma. It makes him likable. Like watching did him this dance.
0: scene, did his performance in this scene remind you of another movie, specifically?
2: uh what are you talking about because i don't i
0: don't came where he celebrates with the newspaper after he after we'll get to it we'll get to it in recasting we'll get to it in recasting
2: okay so i like the way uh wells is portraying kane here it's making him human likable but let's not forget what are these men really celebrating that they're about to antagonize a war with spain a war where people are going to be dying where governments are going to be sacked where um you know, low wages are going to be implemented. Um, Colonial conquest is going to be implemented. And they're just drinking and celebrating and looking at women and having a good time. And then it's the the juxtaposition of these villains of this world is like, these evil men are not that different from us. The
1: spoils of war.
2: And uh, Tolan... And literally the spoils of war, because he's in that scene, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to start collecting statues. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, I'm going to get things. Craig Tolan, the uh, cinematographer in Wells, they worked close to to get achieve a lot of the cinema in this movie. And what we're seeing that we haven't seen, Derek, for like historical context is there's a a very unflattering, extreme close up of Joseph Cotton chanting his like his cultist. Now, this is like a cult. And he's chanting the song and clapping the hands. And it's not, back then when you did a close-up, it was always rose blush. You know, it was always a beautiful, glamorous thing. This is like right on Cotton's forehead. And you could see in the eyes, there's something in the eyes and there's this blind following of the leader. But at the same time, there's Kane's reflection dancing in the the window behind him. So the the way that that shot's achieved is like they bleed the film together and that's the special effect. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really do that deep focus cinematography where one thing's in focus in the foreground and one thing's in focus in the background they didn't really do that that was greg Toland's thing he brought to this and movie. they like that
0: was that was something they really didn't figure out the split die after shot it's called
2: they didn't figure that out until like the 80s like it oh. was so far ahead of its time like oh, oh. this the, the um director of photography actually died at 44 so he died shortly after this movie, I think in 19... He didn't make it to the 50s. I think it was like 1948 where he died. Yeah. And so this movie was 1941 and he worked with John Ford. He did a couple of John Ford movies. So he was way ahead of his time and yeah. he never got to really play out the rest of his... What yeah. would have been his like illustrious even, career. Even Spielberg in his early career was like, I can't figure this out.
0: I don't know how he did it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of the low, like the angles where the camera's looking up at Kane and giving him that presence, this... um the larger-than-life presence, they had to dig holes in the ground, put the giant cameras down there, and operate it from three feet below sea level to get those shots. And that led to the image of Kane standing tall and magnificent, and it led to construction of ceilings, which sets back then, they'd never built a ceiling because you didn't have to show a ceiling because angles were never shot from that point of view. So this is the first movie that has ceilings on the sets, because of that technique of, I want this camera looking up at Kane from the knee up. And that's why a lot of these scenes at the, at the when he still has a shot for goodness, which obviously he, he blunders at the, at the newspaper, they're from like the knee up, showing him as this larger than life thing. And the u- unique use of angles that di- di- people didn't understand what they were watching, but they knew it was powerful to look at. And finally, that scene has stage lights, like, you know, same one we had at Drama Club on the set, which they never lit scenes from below. They always lit from the side or from above. So when the dancers look just radiant and fantastic, that's because they literally have, everyone has stage lights at their feet. So there's a lot going on in this scene and it's a fun scene to watch. And it's really a bunch of guys doing heinous things.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, So let's go to number one scenes. Derek, what do you have?
2: Uh, my number one's kind of a,
1: it's kind of a weird thing. It's hard to kind of say, I guess, as far as a scene goes, I think the, the ending, the, the, the reveal of Rosebud and, and the fire is um it recontextualizes really it, the whole it, movie. It, it really yeah. does. And it kind of just, you know, it, you're seeing somebody's whole soul go up in flames. Yeah. Um, and it's a very interesting uh, concept, but I think on top of that, There is something about the movie that is so interesting as far as like camera shots and the one big word. If somebody said, hey, Derek, what is Citizen Kane to you? I would say shadows. Yes. Um, Watching this movie, even on again, I know it's um, considered to be uh, horrific that I watched it on a phone. But even that conceptually, I could figure out like the shadowing of things in this movie was so unbelievably powerful um that it, it you know what it kind of reminded me of the, this movie kind of reminded me of elements of there will be blood a little bit oh, uh, sure. you know what i mean that kind of thing but uh, the statues the shadows my favorite scenes in the movie were just those big open sequences of this like humongous how you can't even call it a house um yeah, a castle. The, the castle and the shadows of things and the way things look and the way things have gotten it almost looks like hell
0: yeah and sometimes. like this, the shot where like they the, the, in front, in front of the fireplace, when yep. when the second wife is doing, um, you yeah, doing a puzzle, and like he just walks towards the fireplace, and it's like seamlessly. It's like oh my god, it's fucking enormous.
1: Right, right, and and, and you know it's 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 kind of strange to think that somebody could be the way he is. Cause I know in my life, cause you know, when I'm watching movies, I try to relate to characters as well, like everybody, but my life, I, I'm the type of person where I wear, I wear my heart on my sleeves. If somebody asks me a direct question, they're going to get a, the, the, the truthful answer because I'm not a bullshitter. I, I like people to know everything about me. It's just the way I am. But with him, it's like, he's so closed off to everything. that He's almost waiting for someone to open up the gates of his heart. And it's like, hey man, like maybe you should try to do that yourself. To right. somebody and open yourself to these women and to these people and to your friends, but you're not. And you close off and you die lonely well, because
0: yeah, you can't I mean, open
2: up, you know? Because
0: the last time he did that to somebody, they sold him to a bank.
2: Right. Um, yeah. You know? Uh, I mean back to that scene that you're talking about the the with the it's weird that this scene you feel nostalgic for it when it's just some scene from like two hours ago from the beginning right, of the movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, then when you see Rosebud burning, you get it, you get the nostalgia, it all comes together. And Rick's right, like how can he trust like Agnes Moorhead was brilliant in that role as his mother? And it seems like at first she's she's getting rid of her kid because it's a burden to her. But then they switch it at the end of the scene, and, he's, and she says to the father, you won't be able to get your hands on him anymore. Right. So in her mind, and this must have been somewhere in the 1860s, it says on the title card or whatever, 1880s, in her mind, she's rescuing him by doing this. He's going to be rich. He's going to have a better life, and he won't be near this abusive alcoholic father. Right. So it's not like she's selling him to a bank to be like the villain, Rick. She thinks right. like no, this I, is I know,
0: but But again, it's, it's a matter of perspective. From, yeah, you know he he doesn't remember his father as an abusive alcoholic.
2: He remembers yeah, but, him as his yeah. dad.
0: Yeah, you know, and th- and that's like, you know, realistically, what what Cain needed was like therapy, and you know, we're we're still figuring that out as a society today.
1: I, I, I am just realizing as looking at imdb that agnes moorhead is uh the mother of samantha Unbewitched. Oh,
2: yeah she, she's excellent yeah
1: i just realized that i didn't i didn't notice
2: that in the movie when I, when i think of that show i'm like why did i watch this show and then it comes on like you know sometimes on tv i'm like oh yeah because agnes moorhead was the mother that's why i watched <laughs> this show growing up all right right hmm.
0: Also, he didn't, yeah, I mean, Cain didn't want, what if it's the same universe? What if she just didn't want Cain to know
2: his sister was a witch? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or his mother was a witch. <laughs>
1: Citizen Cain, the
2: prequel to Bewitched. I don't know if I can handle that. I just have this thing in my heart where I want to worship Satan. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> I think that uh, in the context of this film, they kind of hinted towards that she was going to kill the father with, by poison maybe at some point, but, which was like common in the 1800s for abusive husbands
0: could and she was just trying to get yeah, well because she, she dies she, just, she dies like later in like his life right. like in his when he, he's in middle age
2: yeah and but maybe there's that part of him that never forgave her so that's why he didn't want to reach out when he was still there yeah yeah
0: again it's it's this thing with his characters like you spend so much time this whole movie is people talking about him
2: and right you don't you really know him him him. Him at the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, there's no scene where he is like alive like yeah these are all memories he's a ghost it's a ghost movie yeah um, so, Chris, what's your uh, what's your number one scene? My number one scene is when he loses it all, when Susan finally leaves him and he just loses his mind and goes into that manic rage and he, he reflects on a giant empty life. In that giant empty castle, he trashes everything that this girl loved. Like, that is her room. Those yeah. are her things. And he is killing her by... Like, think of what it takes to do that to somebody. You know, you guys are married. What if you ever did that to your wife's stuff? Like, that's horrifying mm-hmm. that he just goes on this rage, destroys everything that is attached to her. Um, and takes that moment where he looks at the camera and you can just see it all. His face, that even with all the makeup on, Orson Welles is acting through like a pound of makeup at that point. Yeah. You can just yeah. see this man just had a mental nervous breakdown.
1: And, 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 and oh my! And in that quote that she says, I'm probably gonna butcher it, but but she's like, "This isn't about me leaving. This is about you losing me, or something like that." But yeah. like, this is about you, and it's so true. How so many of us can 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 do selfish things and not realize we're being selfish.
2: Right? Like you know? it's too late. Always too late for Kane. and and maybe he realized it at that moment, and that's why all he has left to hold on to in his final moment and and death is a fucking memory from when he was eight years old you know there's right. before the billions before anything ever before anyone else ever heard him before his parents ever heard him it was the last day before he knew what was happening was on the hill sledding on the hill and that's dying all he can uh you know it's really a beautiful story about a wasted life right, right. um yeah it's uh
0: so Let's, uh, my number one scene, I, I should say, my number one scene is something we've not talked about yet. And that is his uh, Kane stump speech when he's running for governor, I believe. Uh, oh, brilliant.
2: Of- it almost was going to make the list, but well, brilliant
0: scene. The reason why is because, oh, uh, Mr. Gettys is going to end up in jail. Yeah. What does that remind you of? You know, like he very easily could have been, you know, chanting, lock her up or lock him up. Um, And just like the, you know, the the scene he he has, you know, right afterwards. And again, similar to like the the end of the movie recontextualizes the, the whole movie. The scene he has with Leland afterwards where, you know, he's explaining, it's like, listen, those people that you say you represent, you don't actually represent them. They have wants and needs. This is just a, like, a populist politician that we've seen so many mm-hmm. times, you know, in the course of history, and the like, just how it looks, how it's shot and lit, yeah, and then the the absolute seamless, and this is why this is really the the one that, like, when you watch it on a phone, you don't get it, uh, because the scene where the his his opponent is up in the balcony or up in the rafter, sort of and just watches them yeah giving the speech the absolute seamlessness of the matte painting yeah is like you your head in 2022 it does, like it registers very easily but the technical leaps that this movie took it like it the only thing i could think of is like what if Avatar was also, like, an incredibly written, like, well-acted movie? Like, that's, not not that it's, like, an effects-driven thing, but, like, that's right. the, the leap ahead it took. Um, You know, and, like, just add that to, like, the character, the performance, the effects, that's why it's number one for me, it just all comes together. And just, like, that's yep. kind of the iconic image of the movie, I feel like. The, the uh, foresight that
2: Wells had like about fascism. Uh, well, right. so I I've read the the Wells biographies. They're gigantic. Um, there's, there's different. There's three volumes, and he was a left wing guy, politically active. Yeah. But he couldn't he couldn't get. He had to make a choice: is he an artist or is he political? So he he personally had that 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 Kane has the thing about the politics. Right. But the uh, play the the fascism. It was 1941. And it had yet to play out how World War II was going to go. But this is basically a Hitler speech given by right. King. I'm the Democrat. I'm, the, I'm the, um, the one for the working class. This is all shit that Hitler fed you in the 30s if you were in Germany. And um, you're watching the rise of potential fascism. It's a like good thing that Getty is, is representing like the gangs in New York era, corrupt politicians. Right. And it's a good thing that they stop them. Because if you give a man like this, that kind of power, I think we're living in the aftershocks of that right now. And I was I was going to save this for miscellaneous, but I'll just say it now because we're on that scene. Errol Morris, the documentary filmmaker, did a. I was going
0: to I was going to bring this up later. Let me let me
2: so so let's let's
0: bring it up. Let me okay. So Chris, don't answer. But Derek, I'm going to read you a quote that someone said about Citizen Kane, Mm -hmm. and I want you to guess who said it. Okay. Citizen Kane was really about accumulation, and at the end of accumulation, you see what happens, and it's not necessarily all positive, not positive. I think you learn in Kane, maybe wealth isn't everything, because he had the wealth, but he didn't have the happiness. Who said it?
1: Uh, My first instincts tell me that Donald Trump said it. Donald Trump said that.
2: (laughs) So, Errol took famous people, and he he made a thing where it's just them with a, a blank background, and talk about your favorite movie. And in a, a moment of no self-awareness whatsoever, Donald Trump says, Citizen Kane. And then Errol says, why do you like Citizen Kane? What do you like about it? I think that this guy is, you know, he's, he's a maniac. I think he's lived his life in the image of this movie. I think he's trying to be like Kane. He took every bad thing from Kane and put it into his personality.
0: Yeah. I, I, ooh.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to step off this for a second, I just wanted to say this for the record. I went 15 rounds last night with my stepfather and my mother on the phone talking about politics. And it was I'm talking 15 fucking rounds. And it was spectacular. I left my bedroom. Gia was like, what's up? You okay?" I was sweating profusely from head to toe. It was amazing. The only good thing about it was at the very end, I thanked them for the conversation. And they said, be safe. Have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) it was glorious anyways continue oh god
0: yeah no i mean it's yeah it's like the lack of of self-awareness there is just monstrous like yeah yes like what like again you know it does make you think it does you know maybe there's maybe there's a center to donald trump that we don't know about that but like everything he's ever done in his political life, has, you know, in his public life, has has made, has made you think that it's it's just all hate and and yeah. just like grossness at
2: the center. He, he has been horrible the whole time. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I really hope
1: Donald Trump the second before he dies says like Fisher Price and then dies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's like some intrepid report. i be like, what is Fisher?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was this little tiny tricycle that he had when he was five.
2: It's good. It's and his music. dad was like, yeah.
1: his dad was like, I need this tricycle for my KKK shit. <laughs>
2: and he was taking it away from you. Uh-huh. And there goes poor Donald. Yeah, And as Donald threw his tantrum, he was like, shut up, his four billion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy yeah it's it's shocking the lack of self-awareness is shocking and it's like this like people do it all the time like oh did this come first or the chicken or the egg but it's clearly an example of this guy absorbing this character from this wells has giving you a cautionary tale of how much yeah. money and power can corrupt and destroy a soul and trump looks at it as what a great what a great aspiration look at that house it's great <laughs> i love that house If there was a way to sell your soul to the devil physically here on Earth, this man has done it. Xanadu, yeah, lago (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yep, yeah. yeah, It's so.
0: It's. This movie, it just it's in the sense that like you know what, so many people want to be Travis Bickle, like we talked about, and go and shoot up a school. Uh, Very few people want to be, uh, want to be Charles Foster Kane, but when when they do, they fucking ruin the earth. Um uh, so you know, weigh that against weigh these two movies against each other, I guess, uh in that regard. But um, so let's go to least favorite parts. Um I I've got one and it's like I don't know that we had to see the entire bad opera performance. I think maybe we
2: could have cut that a little bit and still got the point. I, I can't agree with that because the cinematography is so it's good beautifully shot. Scene. Yeah, and, he, but he, I think he originated on the stage, and he gets to do a stage thing for his movie. So I see why it runs because it is important when you're on stage and, and there's all these eyeballs on you. Right. You know? I, think and, we and like, I think we could. have cut it
0: by twenty percent and still got Kane doing the the, the clapping, and we, we would have yeah. got it. The
2: resuscitation of a dead career through
0: the clapping. Yeah. Yeah. And just like he's in he's in shadow. He's like it's 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 tough.
1: To I, like,
2: I, I would agree with you if it was like one of those two and a half hour, three hour movies, sure. but it's still clocking in. Yeah. It's like, less than two, two hours. hours. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think the awkwardness of the scene works so well in the scope of the whole film of like, this whole movie is kind of awkward in a way, um, in a good way, but that scene is just kind of like, uh, it's just hard to watch and it goes on longer than it should. And I kind of think that was the point of like driving in sure.
2: how bad this really is, <laughs> like, you know, but.
0: All right. So, anyone
2: else have any any least favorite parts I want to talk about? I th- uh, I think for for the first time uh, on the show, I want to say no. This is a perfect movie to me. All right.
1: I have uh, one thing, and okay. uh, I I don't think that Dorothy Cumming Gore is a very good actress personally. I think that most of the scenes she's in. I, I just I just don't think that she does a good job. I think her acting is a little poor, personally. Uh, in other scenes, she's better. When she's doing the, the awkward singing and stuff, she pulls off it up really well. But when she delivers dialogue and stuff and delivers lines, I don't know if I necessarily believe it sometimes. Uh, maybe in the second and third watches, maybe I'll change my mind. But as of so, right now, that was my weak point. So
0: I think that is... When you first meet her, she's like purposely being very ditzy
2: and kind of dumb. Yeah, bubblegummy. Yep. Well, those, those,
1: then, were, those were the scenes that I actually enjoyed, but it's a, kind of the middle of the film where she's just delivering lines to him. And I just didn't know if they were. Maybe it was just a bad, an off scene. I'll rewatch it and maybe change my mind, but that's what I, I, I think, think of. I think yeah. with
0: that character, you see like. He's maybe her, a life from her. Yes. Like he, he. I think she does show a range in that, like she's you know, kind of this bubbly, like, fun girl. And yeah. by the end of it, she's just all spite. And it's, and like, he, because he's propped her up.
2: Yeah. Within the relationship, he treats her like those overbearing parents who, like, oh, my kid's going to do this. And they put them into these programs, and they make them go to all these appointments. Yeah. And, like, oh, my kid's going to be famous. And, like, And meanwhile, all she wants to do is go and, like, hang out with her friends in New York. Yep. And do some puzzles from time to time. Yeah. And I think at towards the end, I think she plays drunk a lot. But it's not... Yeah. Yeah, like, it's not, her her drunk is not, I mean, it's not as obvious, like, the way she's playing, like, this, even when she's still at Xanadu, she's still, like, playing drunk, like, a little bit of the slur and the slowing down of the speech, but it's not, like, over the top, like, so I think she was purposely being careful with how much she played it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So,
1: let's, uh, let's go to medals. Derek, who's your bronze? My bronze goes to, one second, uh, Herman Minkowitz. um yep yep. and uh and and again it's hard to tell who wrote what of the screenplay and who did what but obviously i'm not going to put orson welles in my bronze (laughs) so um he gets he gets my bronze because the writing is very strong in this and it's you know while watching it i was wondering if i would prefer for things to be fleshed out more or if i like it more the fact that time goes by very fast um because time is it, obviously a big concept in this movie as well and I think it works for the mystery to not have for the, it yeah it. for the mystery absolutely yeah and for the scope of the film it, it really really works when you look back and you're like wow time went by kind of fast almost as a scary thing when you know we're we're, we're in our mid-30s now and stuff and you know, I'm 35, and I think about my think about how like I feel like I'm an old man, and people are like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I wish I was 35. <laughs> and then to me, if I ever make it to like 70 or 80, and look back and go, "Man, this went by in a, in a, in a heartbeat," and uh, but that's what this movie almost feels like. Is that, you know, it also fits in so much in a two-hour period, and it does a good job of of getting everything across to you. It doesn't feel rushed at all. Um, but I think it's- that the screenplay really. It, it definitely is magical because it, yeah. they found a way to just make
2: everything work, <laughs> right. you know? And, and Derek, in our defense, bending over has sucked since we were 12. It's not like a new thing that I hate to bend over. But
0: then again, we were raised Catholic, so.
2: Oh, Zing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree with everything you said, Rick. I have makeup as bronze too. Um, I just think it's so, such an, inter- like the first time I saw this was when AFI did the list. Right And it was the greatest movie of all time. I'm like, "Oh, I definitely have to see that now." It, go- it is so entertaining for a movie that is considered to be so highbrow and to be, you know, an all-time classic, because some of these, when you get into them from this era before, they're not as like they, they haven't dated as well. And I don't know, maybe it's the coming out of the Trump presidency that makes this so much r- relatable and relevant right. to today, or just the way that capitalism's panning out long term but it is like infinitely relatable to American situation. Not much has changed since these days And the movie itself. The script is so entertaining. It goes by quick. It's not like some of these other laborious uh, classics, like, you know, for example, all time, great, all time classic Lawrence of Arabia, but you can't watch it too often because it's three out. It takes a lot of attention and it takes a lot of physical time, like back to time on the clock to actually get through it and it's a great movie it's a masterpiece but it doesn't have the same pace that you were talking about that right, makes this right. one such a hollywood movie and that's why it's like the icon of like hollywood cinema and mank i agree bronze
0: yeah i'm going to i'm going to make it 3 for 3 Mankowitz. three bronze medal um you know uh, you, you talk about i mean we have not mentioned the name william randolph Hearst, Hearst uh, in this show yet um it seems like that's where that connection came from uh, is is Mankiewicz, uh from from what I can tell, so he must have uh, contributed to the to the story pretty significantly, and uh, yeah, I mean you guys said it, you know the the, the script is strong, the story strong. Mank uh, they made a movie about him, so which I've not yeah. seen yet. So we'll have to, we'll have, there, I'll have to there, check it out. There
2: is um, a, a site of interest to see. It's the William Randolph Hearst Castle in California, mm-hmm. sort of in between the Barrier and Los Angeles. And it was the when Mank went there, it was the inspiration to like how the fuck does this happen to a man? Right. When when before he hooked up with Wells and they, you know, they formulated the thing. Um, it was like being at that Hearst Castle, which was which is played in the movie as Xanadu. It's like, how does this happen to one man? And like what are the conditions that make this come to fruition? And that's like where the main contribution comes from. Yeah. But there's also a lot of stuff, the um, the Mercury players tweaking and improv in, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't make or wells that was just the mercury players sure, sure. like um mr bernstein has a lot of like insight in his lines that aren't in the original script that's improvisation that got kept
0: yeah, the, the, i'm assuming like the you know i saw a girl once and
2: yes exactly we're in a white parasol exactly.
0: and you'd be surprised what yeah. it remembers
2: yeah that stuff yeah of yeah. course that that, that exactly who's the actor he's in all the wells films it was uh everett sloan great yeah. actor and not a guy that would have got a chance on mainstream Hollywood either. Well, right. only what the it struck me
0: over. that this movie came out in 1941, and Bernstein is like the most Jewish name. Like,
2: oh yeah, it's true. Like, and like,
0: especially in the scene where they can't, they come in and they're like, uh, you know, I'm taking over. I'm like, we're taking over the newspaper, and they're all like stuffed shirts, and they're like, this is Mr. Bernstein, and the like old white guys are like, what. Uh, yeah. So, Derek, is your silver?
1: So if I could give Orson Welles gold and silver, I would have.
0: Sure. <laughs> um,
1: because he does so much in this movie. But silver I, is Orson I, and gold is Welles. Yeah, seriously. Um, I actually uh, went with Joseph Cotton for silver. Sure. Um, I, I thought his performance kind of jumped off the screen a little bit too. I think that everything he did was just right. And he's a very charismatic actor. And again, like we said before, I don't know much – cinema or or actors except for the really really big ones from this time period um but he was a character actor that i just really enjoyed from the one movie i've seen him in um so i started doing a little bit more research on the actor and stuff like that but i really enjoyed his performance um and uh i had a lot of fun recasting him as well trying to find an actor that could kind of sink their teeth into something you know the way that joseph cotton did so i had a lot of fun with it
2: yeah derek you should see shadow of a doubt it's hitchcock's favorite film that he ever made Mm -hmm. and joseph cotton and the reason his career is not as big as some of these other guys is because he was, he was, like, super selective on scripts. He's turned down a lot of movies true, in his time period. He's a true artist. Exactly, yeah. He, I mean, good movies, too, good roles. But at the time, he, he saw it as beneath him. But in that mm-hmm. Hitchcock movie, he plays this, like, uncle who goes to stay with this family, like his sister. And he may be on the run for a murder, or he's a killer, and she's trying to figure out what's off with Uncle Charlie. And the niece is actually named after him. It's a girl named Charlie, so it's like the tale of these two Charlies staying at this house. It's like a suburban house in Santa Rosa, and it's all suspense and uh, mystery. And Joseph Cotton is like suspenseful. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Cotton is lights out. as Uncle Charlie. All right, so Chris, who's your uh, who's your silver medal? Um, we mentioned him earlier. The innovation, the the tragedy of him dying. I think he died in his sleep at forty four um this movie the shadows you're talking about Derek they're achieved because Greg Toland's cinematography and at the time cinematographers like cinematographers were well respected the way that we respect directors today like yep. by name cinematographers were known by name and respected and you as a film person you would be like oh i want to see the new john ford film of course but look who he has doing the camera work the photography of the film is just beautiful when it has to be, it's ugly when it has to be, not, not ugly to look at, but it shows evil. It's, it could be menacing and it doesn't, it never detracts from the story. It just enhances it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's amazing how visually he can enhance a scene just by certain shots. Like one that Rick, you were talking about the the scene on stage, well, the way they rush her on stage, they go in one shot, they go, the camera comes, pulls back after the guy's yelling at her, you're a failure. You need to do this. The camera pulls back and now the camera's behind her. And then the curtain goes up. Everything is just rushed. And despite all the rehearsal and trying to make the greatness, nothing's coming together. And brilliant cinematography, the way they time certain things and the way they light it and the way they shoot it. So Craig Tolman gets the silver. Yep. It's, uh, same
0: same for me as well. Like you can't argue with this movie and how the shots are composed. And uh, I mean, Craig, again, they were you know, 40 years later until they figured out some of his tricks um just just absolutely brilliant and uh i'm sure uh as we know gold for all of us is going to be al pacino am i right like is it
2: i'm back in gold baby <laughs>
0: Rosebud. but <laughs> 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 but no I, I, wells i assume for everybody right it's like a- uh <laughs>
1: If what would you have been? What was that that scene in the movie where he's like he asked him what he would want to do, and he's like everything you hate. <laughs> I love that line. There's some great lines in this movie. Oh, yeah. uh, if I wasn't I think rich, it would I w- be fun to run a newspaper. If I wasn't rich, I would have been
2: a great man. <laughs> you ready for war with Spain, boys? Booyah!
1: <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, Orson Welles. I'd heard the name for so long, and and it was always been synonymous with film. And I finally get a chance to watch an, an, the ultimate Orson Welles film, right? Um, yep. He's my gold, obviously. I mean, he wrote it. He directed it. He 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 fucking is the star. It's like, yeah. the, the it's the all-around... It, it's what every musician wants to do, right? It's like, they want to write their album. They want to sing their album. They want to play their album. They want to produce their own album. It's like, right. but usually... And he's coming off... He's coming off like... This is
0: his first movie, correct? This is it. Chris. Yeah. Right this is, he's, this is he it. gets this off of the famous radio play of war of the worlds where like people supposedly thought it was like, it was real.
2: There's a couple things here that, that Wells did. He, every time he did something, he mortgaged his career. Like if it didn't go good, it would just be the end of him. So there was the war of the worlds, which the mercury theater radio, brilliant. You can still listen to it probably on YouTube. Uh, There was Macbeth. He did Macbeth on Broadway with like an all black cast, which was not seen at that point in Broadway. Uh, People were stunned by that. He made it like about voodoo prince instead of, uh, you know, voodoo instead of witches instead in Haiti. And he had all black actors play the roles. And that was a huge success. That's kind of like what got RKO, who had nothing left in the bank to, to give him the contract to make three films. Unfortunately and sadly, this is the only one that he got to make to his fruition because the producers, once he became as hot as he was after this, they were on his ass trying to you know like what happens in hollywood trying to creatively control the next project and like the magnificent ambison's also star in the mercury play is is sort of a lost film because it never got to be shot fin- he never finished shooting it and what's left of it is a shadow of what it was supposed to be and the other stuff uh, a lot of the stuff that he did shoot for it is lost forever but disintegrated Yeah, I mean this is
0: it it's it's interesting how his his life kind of ends up paralleling Brando, whereas like later in life they gain a bunch of weight and like Mm -hmm. everyone's like, Oh, he's like a you know, what a joke this guy's become, this like amazing um you know, prodigy that came out and revolutionized film twenty
2: twenty six when this movie came out. Wow. Yeah. Outrageous. yeah, that's eight years younger than us now. He plays every age of that of that man's life so
1: well; it's like almost yeah. flawless the way it looks. Yeah, you know.
2: yeah and you know he's
0: like we mentioned in the last episode. He cameos in the Muppet movie. He's, I think his last role ends up being a voice in a Transformers cartoon movie. Um, you know, one of his last roles at least, and like, not there's anything wrong with that, but like the the fact it's
2: a, that
1: it's he, a far cry though.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: well, he the thing is like he came from vaudeville as well originally before broadway so he saw no like there was no such thing as bad theater for him he was a magician sure. like he was a classically trained magician so when he did his documentary i think the last lasting thing uh the final lasting piece despite the, you know the the other incomplete film where which is about a filmmaker who comes back to reclaim his glory from the other side of the world i think it's called uh, also a lost film. I think Netflix did like a re-edit release of it, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, his last thing was F is for Fake, which is a documentary about breaking down myths and magic and conspiracy. And uh, it's it's like a surrealist piece. So by the time he had finished, that's where he was at. Like he was onto, when you're ahead of your time in 1941, you might, you're still ahead of your time in 1978. You know, right. that's where he he was going in another direction with it. And to him, I don't think there was such thing as, like, bad theater. Like, entertainment and the classic vaudeville. Like, vaudeville had a lot going on. There was stand-up yeah. comedy. There was burlesque. Look, look and, up,
0: like, the type of guy he is, like, look up some of the the quotes he has about, like, uh, you know, different actors and directors and stuff like that, where he's just, like, I'm trying to, let me just see if I can... see if i can pull something up here uh but like yeah he'll he'll have like a quote about like a person who uh like he's like oh that guy he's a fucking bum like he just like totally dismissive of like supposedly great filmmakers it's it's like he's so far ahead of his of his time um
2: yeah, I can't. I can't pull it up right now because I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for this. But yeah, uh, he, he did. He did love John Ford films though, and that's yeah. how Greg tolan came into the production. And uh, he screened the stage the movie Stagecoach, which is also one of the all time great films. Sure. He screened that like fifty times going into making this movie, and then he said, "Everything I wanted to learn because it was his first film. Everything I wanted to learn about making film is in Stagecoach. I just have to pay attention."
0: Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's i'm just looking up quotes don't let ted turner deface my movie with his crayons hilarious um uh, a uh, reference in the colorizing colorization yeah. yeah yeah um wells man yeah just i think if there's of all the movies we've ever done potentially this might be the clearest number one clearest gold medal winner we've had am i, am I right like i don't, I don't oh, know oh yeah but, can... yeah
2: yeah. Like, there's well, no comp- like no competition
0: yeah. here. He did everything, man. He did. He's All behind right, the cool.
2: camera with Tolan. He's at the computer with... Uh, not the computer, but the typewriter. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's I mean, he's ahead computer. of his time, but not that far <laughs> he, of his time. He invented micro He's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I invented this thing, the computer chip. I call uh, it a microchip. I don't know what to do with it. I just pounded some sand and glass together.
0: <laughs> All of a sudden, he's fucking... Uh... What's his name from? Uh, I know P- Peter Lorre. <laughs> yeah,
2: he would. <laughs> I left on the Wells impression to Peter Lorre. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's go to recasting. Um
2: So I've got Kane, I've got Leland, I've got Susan, I've got Bernstein, and I've got Emily. I got Kane, Bernstein, Thatcher, Leland, Susan. Uh, the first wife is Emily. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Kane's mother, and then the knowledgeable butler.
0: Okay, Derek, what do you
1: have? I have Kane, Bernstein, Leland, Mrs. Kane. Who I'm I'm assuming first wife Emily, um, and then Susan. Yep. Okay.
2: So Chris, I think you had uh, you had a few that nobody else had. Uh yeah. So Mr. Thatcher, you know, the man who adopts him, yep. that he resents, that he wants to destroy. Bill Murray. Interesting. You'll, you'll like it when you see my cane, but Bill Murray for Mr. Okay. Thatcher. All right. Um Kane's mother. I I would like I, to. Derek, see you this.
0: have that as well,
1: right?
2: Oh, you do? You have to do it. Oh, uh, uh,
0: or did you say, you said Mrs. Kane? Yeah, that...
2: I, I meant, I meant uh, Emily is first. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So uh, his mother. Kane's mother. I would like to see Laura Dern do that scene. Oh yeah. That'd be great. She, she'll make sense when you see my Kane, which now probably give away. You probably know who it is. And I would love that in the third act when the knowledgeable butler comes in this kind of sketchy butler, mm-hmm. um, Eddie Murphy. I love Eddie Murphy as a dramatic actor. And I would, I just think it'd be a treat to see him pop in in the third act as the butler. Yeah. All right so i think
0: otherwise so i've got kane leland susan bernstein emily anybody else have anything anybody different other than that left i don't think so okay let's go uh let's go with emily Derek,
1: who's your uh, who's your emily my emily let's take a look here i i i made my mine's a little bit older all these actors are a little bit older, so it's just keep the, well, that Well, That's the
0: thing. That's the thing with, with my recasting is in, when this movie was made, you couldn't really make someone up to look younger, decades younger, whereas now you can do
1: that. You can do <laughs> CGI to do that. Right, right. So for my, uh, for my Emily Kane, I guess, uh, would be Laura Linney.
2: I like uh,
1: that. Yeah. yeah she, of course, she's older now. They could probably yeah. make her look younger, but uh, that, I just liked her
2: for that role. I looked at her from that role too, D. Yeah. Chris, do you have? I went with Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Oh, I like that.
2: I just feel like uh, she could do that detachment stuff really well yep. towards the end of that scene. Mm-hmm. So
0: I, I went with someone who, um, yeah, I think we both did. They can yeah, both do like, or we all did rather. We we went with you know someone who could play like the warmth of the original and also like the high society type. Um, I went with Anne Hathaway for Emily.
1: Nice. I think any of those could work.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh, kind cool. of a, feels like feels like kind of a small role for her, but I, I get it too.
0: Yeah, I think she I think she'd be perfect for it though.
2: Like I think she's, it's a it's a bit of an ensemble though. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. All the, all the characters that aren't Kane.
1: Yeah. Kind of like twelve, uh, 12 days. Uh, was it a twelve years a slave? Kind of an ensemble piece too, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, like this is this is something where you know once once you look at my cast, you go, oh, everyone's in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. Derek who's your Bernstein.
1: My Bernstein goes to Adrian Brody. Yeah, I can nice. see that. Um, I like seeing him play quirky characters. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen um what's it called? Uh Peaky Blinders. Uh, but he plays a mafia boss in that, and he's tremendous. He's basically doing a Brando impression, but you wouldn't ever think that Bro Adrian Brody could pull off what he does in that show. Um, and yeah. he's phenomenal. So I, I've just seen him in a lot of things, and I think he could play this part really well too.
2: Absolutely. Chris, yeah. Um, I didn't go as handsome. I feel like he's a little too dreamy for it, Derek. I went with Toby Jones. Uh, I don't know, man. That, sh- that, that, that schnoz on Brody, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but if you are a schnoz guy, you're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> I like a big nose. Yeah, yeah. I went with Toby Jones. Um, shout out to Dobby.
1: I mean, if, if, when I think of Toby Jones, that's the, that's the last thing I think of is Dobby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love Toby Jones.
2: <laughs> yeah, he'd be a good Bernstein and a great Dobby.
0: Uh, I went Jonah Hill here. Nice. I uh, I think he could he could he could definitely do it. He has kind of like the little bit of physical comedy. We know Jonah Hill can do that, and you know obviously he has like the the serious act. You know, serious. So stuff. so
2: we, we might have the same cane if you went. And this I, is I, just I think we, we might yeah. we might. Yeah.
1: Um. Let's go. Um, let's go, Susan. Derek. My Susan goes to uh, an actress. Well, number one, the actress needs to be able to sing. And then also yeah. and then be able to somehow sound bad as well.
0: Yeah.
1: It's very difficult for a very good singer to not sing well. Right. It's it's like a known fact. Yeah. Um also an actress who could pull off pull off the role. I went with Amanda Seafried.
2: Yeah.
1: Nice. Uh, she's beautiful, she's tempting. Uh, you could see somebody falling for her while they're already in, in a in a poor marriage. She could sing very well, as we've seen in Les Miserables. And yeah. uh, obviously, she'd have to be trained to not sing well as well. <laughs> but uh, right. that's my, yeah. yeah, reverse,
0: I, reverse I, training. I, yep. I had thought of, I didn't go with her, but I thought of her as well. Certainly. Uh, Chris, what do you have?
2: Um, I thought about Lady Gaga.
0: Oh but, yeah.
2: But the same conflict Derek was talking about like oh you need to really sell the not singing part. Yeah. Not not that this actress doesn't sing well, I guess, but opera probably probably not. I went again friend of the show from my last cast in Selena Gomez. Hmm. Well, it, it's it's like your brain your your, your brain is meant
1: and learned to sing the correct notes. So right. when your brain has to not sing the right notes, it's almost like I don't understand how to do that. Yeah. yeah, it's very exactly. strange. You have to be it, I, trained to do
0: that. So here's it's, my my I, I thought so. on it yeah. was, um, this this my version's probably taking place later on in you know in, in history like you know late 20th century, uh, for the most part. So it wouldn't necessarily be like an opera singer, you know that this you know, this is just sort of like who's like he push into like whatever the thing is at the time. Okay. Someone who doesn't you know square peg round hole. It's like a pop star or whatever. Um, so I went with like kind of the young ingenue right now. Uh, and that Florence Pugh, um, I think I've seen her in the, uh, the trailer for don't worry, darling coming up and yeah. like, she just, she's great and everything. I don't know if she can sing. doesn't really matter. Cause she can just sing badly. Um, you know, they can yeah. dress her up like Britney Spears. Yeah. She uh, just, and they she's she's beautiful, but she doesn't quite that. fit that template. You know, and I, that's I,
2: I, this makes sense. Why on the last time I was on the show, I thought you were going to use her for Ripley. Yeah, but you you were saving her for Kane. Yeah, so it makes that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's go, Leland. Derek, what do you have?
1: I had fun with this one. Uh, I, per, my, the absolute per, perfect actor for this role, in my opinion, is Michael Shannon. Um, I I just see Michael Shannon all over Leland, uh, especially in the chair at the end. And, well, not the end, but like at the end of his, you know, he's older and stuff. And again, yeah. I casted this a lot older, but he's got that finesse and that quirkiness. World, he's he's just my little Linda. He's the yeah. first actor I thought of. It's True. actually unfortunate how he's not been in a lot of stuff lately.
2: Yeah, because he's he's got talent.
1: He's probably also a very selective actor. Like, um, who's the other actor who was in uh, almost
2: like Joseph?
1: Oh, Con- well, almost <laughs> o- almost famous. Uh, the, the guy who plays uh, uh, Russell Hammond.
0: Oh, Bill, uh, is Billy something. Yeah, why can't I remember his name? Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Be, be, because he should have been the next Johnny Depp, and he wasn't. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, that would be... Oh, yeah yeah, Cr- that, Cr- that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, Billy Crudup,
2: Billy Crudup. yes. Dr. Yes. Manhattan. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's solid.
1: It, see, it seems like he's very selective with his roles as well, and that, you know, it, art art, if you choose art over money, you know, that's just the way it is. Sometimes art and money don't go together. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Um so,
2: Chris, did you do your Leland yet today I... oh um the, the, yeah, so everyone probably knows who my Kane is, so Leland, I think a good jux- uh to play his like juxtaposed character juxtaposed whatever the word it would be Brad Cooper, you son of a bitch, that he is my Leland as well, yeah,
0: I well, think we, we have the same have to, cane and the same we Leland. have the same cane, yeah, so we yeah. have the same Leland, yeah.
2: So, how do you like Bill Murray from Mister. Thatcher?
0: I, I I can see it. I can see it. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go. But yeah, Leland. I think. Uh, I mean, Chris, your your reasoning. I think it sounds like need somebody who can stand up to Arcane. Somebody. I I kind of like. To me, Leland in this movie is like just kind of like a good-looking guy who's like kind of riding on the coattails of like a comet. You know, right? Um, you know, and I think I think Bradley Cooper would do that, and I could definitely see him in the old age makeup. Later on, it's like, you know, well, I, you know, obviously in like Star is Born, he plays this yeah. like beat down I mean, guy. If,
1: if you guys see him, he, he's playing Leonard Bernstein. If you yeah. see the makeup, the makeup, yes. the makeup yeah. holy shit.
0: Yeah. Oh, so Derek, who is your, uh, who's your cane? DiCaprio,
1: yeah. bottom line. There's yeah. nobody else. Yeah.
2: So there is one other guy, but it is DiCaprio across the yeah. board. Yes. Yep. But he, the other guy's retired and he should have done it 10 years ago.
1: Have you seen Day Lewis? Yeah i was thinking yeah. him too oh, yeah.
2: there's the yeah. only two so that i had in mind yep. yeah, <laughs> so here's the,
0: the second that the i'll tell you the exact second that dicaprio came into my head and it's that scene we brought we brought up earlier i said put a pin in it when Kane yep. is celebrating how wolf of wall street is that scene where he's bringing in the girls
2: yep yeah very well yeah but i i don't think that that scene that's what i was like what are you talking about because I think the Wolf of Wall Street reminds me of Kane. It's not that Kane reminds me of Wolf of Wall Street. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh,
0: no. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, it's the way, that, way you
2: said it, it was like, wait, yeah. No, so of, co- of course. Of course. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Hum, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, Scorsese is like a student of film. Right. You know, of course. You know, and, and this He's is obsessed. certainly. He's fucking
2: yeah. obsessed with it.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I saw that and I was like, okay, you know, Wolf of Wall Street is such a similar story in a lot of ways and you know leo has that baggage where it's like how many a plus movie stars are there right now you know where you know he's he's obviously not coming in being like the supernova auteur at this point but
2: you know he's gonna he he has the cachet to make this role work and who who can who's the only person that can upstage like bradley cooper and it's right right yeah you need you need two heavyweights in
0: that role in those two roles. exactly yeah and i can and i can certainly see him you know in shadow doing the, you know like i can yep. uh, yeah i can and, absolutely and
2: you, you know that movie um j edgar was not a good movie but leo was fucking brilliant in it sure
1: is there a movie that he's not brilliant in to be to be fair i mean he's he's just top-notch
2: he plays J Edgar Hoover like with so much humanity and sympathy. It's like why? Or this this guy sucked. Why are you making me feel for this dude, Leo? Right. right.
0: No, but that, I mean, that's I I think that's that's the that's the pick. Like, there's nobody else who could, yeah. who could touch 100%. it right now.
2: Hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um. I mean, miscellaneous. Um. You know, my my miscellaneous notes were very much. Uh. You know, the, the stuff we discussed, like the technical aspects of it, like some of the stuff this, uh, you know, this movie brought to to cinema. I mean, is there anything
1: else that you know, anybody wants to, to discuss or anything like that? I was leaving it up to you guys because, again, my first time watch. And I want to bring this up, too, just for, I guess, miscellaneous for future talk, is that this movie will likely not appear at the top of my list, mainly because I'm so new to it. Um, whereas other movies I've seen 15 times that I've been yeah. in love with since I was a kid, sure. they, they basically trump this movie on the basis that I've seen them so many times. But I, I, when I do mention this movie, I don't want you guys to put me down for not having it like in my top 10 because of that reason. I, I don't think you'll be dealing with that. I, th- I think But, 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 but I do well, think that why, in the why future,
2: do why do you care if we don't agree with your position? No, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I didn't <laughs> no, I didn't, here's, care. Here's I didn't really one care thing. about your own
0: thing. Here's the question I have. Is it a bo-
1: above or below Wild Wild West? I mean, it's above Wild Wild West. Okay. (laughs)
2: Come on. In
1: in, in my right mind, I don't think I could ever do that. Uh, Even though Wild Wild West is a much easier watch during the day, to just throw it on and be like, this is stupid. Um, (laughs) Citizen Kane is like, I have to sit down and like watch and study a movie. It's different. It's a very different uh, thing. But like I said, like I think in the future though, if we did like season three and we like redid them, we did our lists, like I think that like, down the line if i keep watching this movie it'll probably keep rising in the ranks sure
0: um so what are we eating with this movie
2: uh what are we eating with this movie all american pot roast yeah pot roast and mash maybe some carrots a little apple pie at the end yeah this this is the movie of america right in the greatest american movie right so yeah all right
0: um So let's go to the uh let's go to the Oscars here. Well, Chris, what are you collecting with this? Do you have any collections for Susan Kane? I
2: actually do, my friend. Yeah. There is a newly released 4K Blu-ray from Criterion. Oh. Oh. It's it's beautiful. Definitely worth worthy addition. But if you're not ready for that, there is also the Warner Brother box set with like the lobby cards and the book that came out like when Blu-ray came out, like I don't know, ten 10 years ago now. That thing has increased in value. Was a limited print. It's increased in value over the years. I think to fetch it now, you'd pay like five times what you paid at the market.
0: Sure. All right. Let's uh, let's go to the
2: Oscars then. Um,
0: so, Citizen Kane wins for uh, best original screenplay. Uh, it is uh, nominated for best picture. It is nominated for Best Director, it is nominated for Best Actor. Um, this is actually, this is a great year. This is, this is a great year for, for cinema here. Let's, uh, okay, so uh, Best Picture uh, is won by How Green Was My Valley, nominee Citizen Kane, Blossoms Wait, in the Dust,
2: hey, Here let come, what's up? Want, Let me just interrupt you. I wanna yep. get on the, the 14th Academy Awards. Yes. All right, thank you.
0: um uh, yeah uh, so how green my valley wins um blossoms in the dust citizen Kane. here comes mr jordan hold back the dawn the little foxes the maltese falcon uh one foot in heaven sergeant york and suspicion that's Hitchcock. That's,
2: films. Yeah. that's more films than usual right right there's no supposed that's, to
0: be five? yeah that's yeah so i think they they went to five later And they went, but they went back to I think it was 10 and then five for a long time and then 10 again. Um okay. So listen, some great movies there. Maltese Falcon, holy shit, suspicion, Hitchcock. Yeah. Like, you know, How Green Was My Valley, Ford. Uh you know, like, but it's Citizen (laughs) King. Like, let's let's be real for a second, you know. I know.
2: Yeah. If any one of these movies had a shot, like it probably was How Green Was My Valley? but I think Kane has just aged to a point where like kids today still need to watch it in school. Yeah. Uh,
0: How about the best director lineup here? Uh, John Ford wins for how green was my Valley. Orson Welles is nominated for Susan Kane. Alexander Hall for here comes Mr. Jordan, William Wyler for the little foxes and Howard Hawks for Sergeant York. Unbelievable. Ford, Wells and Hawks in the same category. My God. And Hitchcock does not get nominated
2: imagine that that's that's why it's the golden age yeah Um, still i think how green my valley great but i I think not even ford's best and where this is orson's well's best and howard hawks sergeant york not his best and the little fox is not william wyler's best so this is wells's best so i say
0: yeah um yeah so best actor gary cooper wins for sergeant york um Carrie Grant is nominated in Perry's Penny Serenade Walter Houston for All That Money Can Buy, Robert Montgomery for Here Comes Mr. Jordan uh, and Orson Welles for Citizen Kane. Again stacked stacked. Yeah. It's you know it, it's this, this is going to be a stretched metaphor here. Okay look at the WWF in like the late the mid to late 80s early 90s Right, and you look at it, you look at all this incredible talent there. Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, uh, the Macho Man, uh, name them, you know, uh, right. Andre the Giant, um, British Bulldog, Bre- you know, brett Hart, uh, under, Undert- yeah, like look at all these, look at all this incredible talent, and you look at how many Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, and you look at these people Rick's and you saying. go. Rick Flair to an extent but like you look at so many of them and go why didn't Rick Rude win the world title in WWF why didn't Mr. Perfect win the world title why didn't Jake the Snake get run with the world title there
2: just, just isn't enough space on Marvel there just Rush isn't
0: enough space when Hulk Hogan's there
2: yeah
0: and in this scenario Orson Wells is Hulk Hogan
2: they don't know it at the time though I they think don't this, yeah this is out of retrospect yeah
0: this is, this is me looking at it in 2022
2: yeah
0: Orson Wells, you know WrestleMania main event, big boot on Gary Cooper, leg drop on Cary Grant, or someone else. (laughs) It's the best act. Over
2: over the top, into the
0: fucking front row. Yeah. He's he's doing the pose now at the end. Yeah. Doing the ear thing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that's just what it is. I mean, I don't think anyone really qualifies for best actress, um, best supporting actor. You know, and how about no bogey for for Maltese Falcon and Best Actor? That's some bullshit.
2: Well, he he at the time this was like early '40s, right? They were still looking at him as like a popcorn actor, which they they yeah, didn't class bullshit. up to him until after Casablanca. Then they yeah. were like, oh, okay, he is a serious dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just want to again just the 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 names in Best actors. Now they're really going over it. Joan Fontaine wins for Suspicion. Betty Davis is nominated. Olivia De Havilland is now is nominated. Greer Garson and Barbara Stanwyck,
2: like holy shit! Brilliant, yeah. Um, Eddie Davis from Lowell, yeah, Lowell girl, absolutely. You know, it would take take a Boston girl to unionize Hollywood the way she You're did. You're
0: damn right, it would. Uh, best supporting actor, anyone we want to look at for best supporting actor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so throw Cotton in there.
0: All right, so he is not nominated. Donald Crisp wins for How Green Was My Valley. Walter Brennan nominated for Sergeant York. Charles Coburn for The Devil and Miss Jones. James Gleason, and here comes Mister Jordan and Sidney Greenstreet in The Maltese Falcon. I'm not familiar with the majority of these, Um, so Chris, Uh, I don't know. I don't know where your your thoughts are.
2: You definitely know. You definitely know these actors. Uh, Walter Brennan was in like a bunch of the. um, Just not these not these roles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So for this one. Just toss him in and take out Sydney Greenstreet for the Maltese Falcon because Sydney Greenstreet shouldn't have been nominated over, uh, you know who Sydney Greenstreet is. Yeah, yeah, he's like the the MacGuffin driver of the Maltese Falcon. He shouldn't have been thrown in there anyway. So take him out and throw in Joseph Cotton. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: anyone want to think of the best uh, best supporting? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if anyone is getting in for best supporting in Maltese Falcon is Peter Laurie. Right? right? Absolutely, yeah. Cindy Grisio was improperly nominated. Yeah, that's some, some, some malpractice there, some Academy <laughs> yeah. malpractice. Um, supporting actress, anyone want to
2: talk about? Nah. Agnes Moorhead, toss her in. Uh, okay. I mean, she's in it for two seconds. Yeah, but she, she, it's not how long the uh, large the role is, it's how well she plays it. I get it, but I mean, it's not like over the top.
1: Well, this is all another right.
0: one where I'm not super familiar with the, um, with the roles here, but uh, Mary Astor.
2: It's Sorry, right. Derek overruled. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, it's just my opinion. Have you, yeah, let's do it. we got to agree on it, though. Mm-hmm.
0: So Mary Astor in The Great Lie, not in The in the Maltese Falcon, weirdly. Um, Sarah Allgood in How Green Was My Valley, Patricia Kalinga, C-O-L-L-I-N-G-E, in The Little Foxes, Teresa Wright in The Little Foxes, and Margaret Witcherly. Sergeant York. So, Chris, any any anywhere you want to squeeze her in?
2: Um, I I can't throw out anyone because I haven't seen some of these movies in a okay. very long time. So okay, well, it's right. Derek's right. I shouldn't throw someone out just to throw someone in.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, just an incredible. And like, yeah, just just looking at these. Uh, some of these, some of these movies, like even in. Like some of the the below the, the line categories, you know, you have uh, the 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 Fleischer Superman shorts are nominated, and the animated short. Nice. Uh, you have like uh, Dumbo is this year. Um, just like you know, pre World War Two, um, you know, before the war, just changes the 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 industry altogether you know right uh just just a, a real real golden age here as you said so now we come to the most important part of the show and that is when we put 30 seconds on the clock and Derek you explain to us why Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all time are you ready let's do it Three,
1: two, one, go. Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, 1941. I have two sentences, and that's all corruption, loneliness, selfishness. It's sad, big, slick, and powerful. Master cinematography, writing, and directing. Citizen Kane.
0: All right, 20 seconds uh, for that. Uh didn't want to insult anybody. Tell our viewers that they're scum sucking shitbags bags
1: or Ebert or anything like that. <laughs> well, I will say this. I will say this. For those of you, and again, this is something that I think a lot of people have to reiterate, but you know, people think of old things and they think it's just not my thing. It's too slow moving for me. Things that are old and black and white, that's just, I don't want to see that. I don't want to take the time. But it, when you do take the time to do these things, you will realize how good these things actually are. Uh, And I think that this is worth a watch. So uh, stop being a fucking piece of human filth (laughs) and watch Citizen Kane.
2: Derek, when you're ready to, you know, to move on from the podcast, eventually, are you going to go out on a fucking tangent of hateful speech and get yourself canceled? (laughs)
1: i'm already hoping that i'm already hoping that i'm kind of canceled to be honest Um, i I think it's important in the words of uh, a newly found enemy that i have he said and this is direct direct, this is directed towards me he said just gonna say i think you are a slug in the boot of reality (laughs) So, uh, is this Roger Ebert <laughs> and Rob Robert Ebert?
0: Robert Ebert <laughs> called you. It's Ebert, but he's got an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you're, you're 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 a uh, piece of slug shit on, in the, in reality. <laughs> so fuck yourself. <clears throat> uh, so that's been our episode on Citizen Kane. Um, you know, we've got uh, we got only a few episodes left before the season finale. We've got the Princess Bride. Uh, we've got School of Rock and we have um, uh, we have Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So that's it. And then we have the finale. So I cannot wait for that. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. I, as always, have been your co-host, the one and only, the man of the hour, the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, Rick Barrasso.
1: And I have been your co-host, in the boot of reality, Boski. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Chris Bonaparte, thanks for having me <laughs> a lot of pain. Bonapain, Bonapain What is it, like a 12th well, episode? <laughs> alright, alright, let's, let's get to it now then You call me Bonapain, it makes perfect sense Because you guys, every time you talk about Scorsese You call him Scorsese what That's how you that? say it, it's Martin Scorsese No, no. You're, you're not saying it right he Are you said, sure about that? He, go to YouTube, he's on video saying My name is Martin Scorsese Well, I'm, I'm going to call him whatever the fuck I want until he yeah, comes exactly. on the show that's and directs us. us. That's are you one of those are you, far far
1: far you one of those people Marty. who also say, are you one of those people who also says Steve Buscemi?
2: <laughs> I, I just say when it comes to Italian names, I'm proud in what I can pronounce without you know uh help. You know so it's my it's my second know. language. I always so thought I was Scors- pronounced Scorsese. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Barush <laughs> Baruscio. Rick Beruscio Beruscio Barra Yeah. No. so fun. Marty if you want
0: to come on and correct us please do.
2: Listen, I I got to tell you, Chris is right about this one. The name is Scorsese. Scorsese. I don't know why you call me that. I know You said it. 40 What's times your name, Marty? Marnie. 45 times. Wow. Scorsese.
1: Have you ever seen what a 44 Magnum
2: does to a girl's pussy? You should see
1: that. You should see what happens. You should see what happens. That, see what happens I but again, see. That's something, that you something
2: you should
0: something see. You should. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep watching, everyone. <laughs>